The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and curing every disease and illness among the people. The gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, even though they're old, the Bible stories are given to us so that we can see ourselves in these stories and learn from them and and learn what God wants to say to us and teach us about His truth. And one of the most important, but probably one of the least familiar of the Old Testament stories is the Babylonian exile. About 600 years before Jesus, the mighty Babylonian empire was sweeping through and conquering the Middle East. And King Nebuchadnezzar showed up in Jerusalem and besieged it and conquered it three times. 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and then a final time in 587 B.C. when he decimated the city. Burned down the temple and the palace, destroyed the protective wall all around the city. And each time that they would do this, they would haul off to Babylon, of course, some treasure, but they would also take with them, well, the lucky ones who didn't get slaughtered. And they were especially interested in the cream of the crop, right? The nobility and the government officials and the best soldiers and the artisans and the skilled workers, and even more, the young people, people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they'd haul them off to Babylon so that they could re-educate them. In the literature and in the language of the Babylonians, they wanted to make them into Babylonians so that they would serve the empire and further its purposes. Now, I want you to try to imagine yourself as one of those exiles. On the one hand, you've seen so much death and destruction and humiliation and grief You've experienced a forced relocation to a strange land. Think of the hatred and the resentment deep inside of you for what the Babylonians had done to your family and to your people. But on the other hand, uh, there was all of the appeal and the attraction of Babylon. Babylon at the time was the world's largest city. It was the capital of the greatest, largest empire in the world. Over Christmas break, my sons and I went to the archaeology museum at the University of Chicago, and we saw some of the artifacts they have recovered from Babylon. Babylon was an ornate and beautiful city. It was home to one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Hanging Gardens. It was powerful and rich and luxurious and beautiful. Maybe maybe this was paradise. Maybe this was heaven. Maybe we should just 
go along with this and get on with the program. The Babylonians would try to convince them of that and would re-educate their youth in the Babylonian way, all the while pressuring them and taunting them. Where is your God now? Why didn't he protect you? Why don't you just join us? All that they had, the Judahites in exile, was a promise from the prophet Jeremiah. Through his mouth, God had said, settle down, build your homes, plant your fields, get married, raise your kids, even be good citizens. Pray for the peace and the prosperity of Babylon, but don't become one of them. Remember who you really are, and in 70 years, I'm going to take you home. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a future and a hope. But now think about it. Think what it would require for you to believe that promise. It meant, first of all, that you'd have to repent, that the cause of all the destruction in Judah and in Jerusalem was not because the Lord was weak or that He had abandoned us. No, no, no. It was because we had abandoned Him. Time and time again, God's people wanted to be like the nations. They wanted to worship their gods. So God eventually said, okay, I'll give you what you want. And He handed them over. So before they could return home, they needed to return to the Lord and repent. Second, it meant that they had to trust. Trust that God had not abandoned them even though Jerusalem was in ruins. Trust that Babylon was not their home, even though they could see all of its wealth and its luxury and beauty and power. Trust and remember that their true home was even better. And they had to trust that, even though they wouldn't see it for 70 years. So third, it meant that they would have to sacrifice and be completely selfless. Because think about that, 70 years, what that means is few, if any of them, would ever return home. They had to do this not for themselves, but for their children, and their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren. Now again, can you imagine how hard that would be to believe that and live according to that? Actually, you can, can't you? I mean, again, the stories are for us to know our own story. We, we sort of live in Babylon, don't we? And it's really hard. See, it would be much easier to give up on God, to look around us in our world and say, if there is a God, why is there so much corruption and injustice, and cancer, and child abuse, and war, and starvation, and hatred, and bigotry, and, 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 and? Or more personally, maybe we'd say, well, if there is a God, then why did he let this happen to me? That would be much easier. It's much harder to stop blaming God or somebody else, and to look in the mirror and see the real problem in my life. To be honest with myself and to repent and remember who has abandoned who over and over again because I wanted something and I loved something more than I loved him. Oh, and it would be much easier 
in this powerful and luxurious and wealthy place and time that we see every day all around us, it would be much easier just to be seduced by it and to want it all. To make the aim of our greedy lives getting whatever we want and pursuing our personal pleasures. It's much harder to believe that none of that will make me happy. And that actually what will make me happy is denying myself, depriving myself of what I want so that I could be generous and that I could give away what I have for the Lord's work and for those who are in need. It would be much easier to get sucked into the value system that is all around us right now, to get with the program, to listen to those who look important and powerful and beautiful and smart, and boy, they look like they're having a good time, don't they? The celebrities and the athletes and the politicians and the media and the experts, go ahead, just listen to them. Let them tell us who is human and who is not, and therefore who has the right to live. Go ahead, let's just go ahead and let them redefine for us what it means to be married or what sex is or what love is or even who God is. Oh, and then when they shame us for being haters because we disagree with them, oh, we don't want that, so let's just keep our mouths shut. Let's just go with the program. It would be much easier. It would be much easier to give to our kids whatever they want so they would just leave us alone. It would be much easier to give our kids whatever we want as parents. What makes us feel successful as parents, pushing them to the point of exhaustion with every imaginable sports and activity that we think that's going to make them successful for college and for career to make friends. Oh, it would be much easier to say, well, I don't have kids or I'm done raising kids. I've done my duty. Let somebody else do it. It'd all be much easier. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that everything in the world is evil all around us. But on the other hand, let's not be naive. Our society would be happy to re-educate our children, to set their priorities and their values. And while it acts like it cares about them, the entire economic and political and celebrity and athletic system in which we live, it is all set up to use our children so that it can remain powerful and prosperous. Babylon always wants to steal our children. So what do we really believe? And what do we really want for our children? We We want to make them followers of Jesus and show them how he wants a personal relationship with them and how much he loves them. We, we want to teach them that they have a different future, that they have an eternal destiny and a heavenly home that's far better than this world and it's worth waiting for. We want to teach them to be generous and self-giving. We want to teach them that they have infinite value and dignity And so does everyone else around them. We want to teach them who they are as a young woman or as a young man and God's plan for marriage and sexuality and family. We want to show them 
that in the midst of Babylon, the kingdom of the world all around us, what they see every day, in the midst of all of that, there is still another kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. And yes, it is undercover, and it is invisible for sure, but it is alive, and it is vibrant, and it is armed with the most powerful weapon in the entire world, his love. And so families who are here this morning, whether you've raised your kids and you're done with that phase of life and you've got grandkids or great-grandkids, or maybe you're single, or maybe you're here with your kids, all together, our kids, our Trinity kids, our Trinity family, what do we want for our children? What do we believe? What are our plans and our dreams? And what about the people that are going to come 70 years after us and even beyond that? It would be so much easier for us to just... Go along with the program. But instead, the Lord has laid out a path in front of us, and the path is going to be hard work. It requires repentance, it requires trust, and it requires great sacrifice. And we're not going to see the end result until we get to heaven. But it's still worth it. And we do it because the Lord has given to us a rock-solid promise. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That's not an empty promise, friends. It is a promise that is written in the blood of his son, Jesus. And our Lord gives us everything we need and he gives us each other. We're in this together, praise God, but we must stick together. One of the greatest gifts that our Lord has given to our Trinity family since 1874, can you believe that, is our Lutheran school. Our school partners with parents in their sacred duty to raise their children as followers of Jesus Christ. And in our school, our children are given not only what they need to be successful for an earthly future, they are above all given very purposefully And thank God, without restriction in this country, they are given what they need, faith and hope and love in Jesus for their eternal future. I am so grateful and I thank all of you for what this school has given to my own children and to all my spiritual children in this parish, our children. We need our school now more than ever, friends. We live in Babylon We need our school now more than ever, and our school, our children, and our families need you. Need your love and your support and your prayers. Friends, we believe this promise. God has given us a great hope and a great future. And that's why in this next decade, this decade we have just entered, We want to expand what God has given to us and build upon everything he's given to us. We want to expand our early childhood ministry. We want to expand our family ministry, which includes our school, but it also includes every season and station of life. And we want to expand our reach out into this community and this world all around us with Jesus' love. Next week, we are going to take this up in earnest and begin this journey called Ignite. If you don't know what Ignite is yet, you will. But I want to give you today just a little sneak peek. 